On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. My next guest is literally the music director to the stars with Dancing with the Stars, and I can see your voice. Now, he started as the music director for Showtime at the Apollo with a 15-year residency there, as well as Saturday Night Live, and let's not forget American Idol. In addition, Ray Chu's work can be found across multiple networks, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We're talking about Ray's work with artists like Rihanna, Carrie Underwood, Pharrell Williams, Justin Bieber, Aretha Franklin, Lenny Kravitz, Pitbull, Queen Latifah, James Taylor, and the list literally keeps going and going. From the Hollywood Bowl in LA to the Nobel Peace Prize broadcast in Norway, Ray's in-demand sound can be found all over the globe. And the best part is we have him as a guest right here on The Career Musician featuring Ray Chu. Mr. Ray Chu, how you doing, brother? All right, how you doing? Good, man. Yeah, I remember. We, I remember being. Yeah, there was a big show in Dallas with somewhere the last time I think. Uh, yeah, I saw you. Huh? That's right. That's right. And we. That's right. A big show in Dallas. I remember that. Gosh, that was probably over six, seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We uh, we were co-producers with uh, T.D. Jakes and some other stuff. Yeah. Right, T.D. Jakes. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Right? Yep. Yeah, Steve Harvey, of course. And, you know, the funny thing is you and I have bumped into each other on airplanes, you know, backstage, a bunch of different times. So I just wanted to give you that connection. So now you know, you know, who the heck I am. <laughs> Nomad. All right, Nomad. What's going on, man? Yeah, man. Well, super stoked to have you here at The Career Musician, man. So welcome. Thank you. Cool. All right. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if, if you know, but basically our mission here at The Career Musician is to empower up and coming, you know, professionals with strategies for a sustainable career. Oh, good. Uh, you know, as you and I know, it can be tough in this biz, you know. So uh, I'd love to start right there and just talk a little bit about how you got into music and then how your music journey has evolved. Okay. You know, with Showtime at the Apollo, I mean, talk about such a legendary show. Um, you know, maybe we start there or tell us a little bit about how you got into the music business. And obviously you started way before that, I'm guessing. But, you know, you've done so much and there's a lot to cover. So let's start a little bit about your history. Well, I'll give you my, my musical, uh, my professional career. The journey started when I was 16 and I was plucked right out of high school to, to work with uh, Melba Moore. And I went right on the road and it, it was a, you know, my mother supported me on that decision uh, while I was still in music study, music study, music study. But I started right on the road at 16 with Melba Moore. And then uh, at 19, I started working with Nick Ashford and Valerie Simpson. And they brought me on and they uh, made me their music. That was my first music director job. Uh, well, the first, you know, the, the long-term job as music director. And they also brought me inside the New York session scene and they started you know, having me work on their albums and other people's albums. And I started working on, you know, and, and I got to be like a number one session musician yeah. playing on albums with Diana Ross and Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway, Teddy Pendergrass, Shaka, uh, Grover Washington. I did all these great albums, you know, as, as a session musician. 
And it was also during that time where I got my first uh, start in television, and that was with Saturday Night Live. I was in the Saturday Night Live band uh, during the Eddie Murphy years. So I tell you, that, that takes you way back. I get you. But I was a very young man doing this stuff, and I was, it was a very exciting time for me. And uh, so this is all before I got to the Apollo. But when I got to the Apollo, then uh, that started a whole nother uh, journey because working at that place is, man, well, it's, it's first of all, when you walk in the door, you can feel the, the, the spirits and the ghosts. So I, I, I separate those two because, you know, the spirits, you kind of get to feel something good and warm. Sometimes the ghosts be whistling in your ear and down your neck and give you, you know, like, some chills, you know. So there's yeah. all in the Apollo Theater. And I worked, I worked uh, that show and, of course, Showtime at the Apollo uh, for about 15 years. And that really gave me a good idea uh, and a good, you know, good feel for, you know, music and television and live and the live circumstance of doing that, uh, as well as my background at Saturday Night Live. So that prepared me for everything going forward, man. Man, that's incredible. Talk about an, a storied, you know, journey. Uh, I mean, just the fact, like you were saying about the Apollo. Okay, wow. We're talking about legendary black culture, American history happening right there, you know, live. <laughs> and I remember watching the Apollo all the time and seeing you and the guys jamming out. And and I would always say, man, I want to be in a band like that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love that. And I like how you you made that distinction between the ghosts and the spirits. That's beautiful, man. But yes, absolutely legendary acts. And I mean, Donnie Hathaway, come on. You, I mean, and, and you know, everybody. So incredible. At what point did you realize you're doing all these A-list sessions, like you said, in New York, then you're starting to get into TV, Saturday Night Live and the Apollo. At what point did you realize, okay, you know, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm kind of set. I think this is going to be my path for a long time, or did it not happen like that? Was it just more organic? Well, no, but for me, my journey was that there was only one path. And oh. uh, and I, that, that's, I've been touched by, you know, it's been the grace of God that this is, you know, the, this is what he set out for me to do. And I realized that at a very young age. Uh, but I also realized that it's not always that way for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, you have to, you know, some people have to take, you know, secondary jobs or do whatever they have to do. So I respect that. It just depends on what your journey is, right? And right. my my journey was that, uh, you know, like I said, from high school, it was I was working every day from high school, and it, it's been one path. Right. Uh, it, and having said that, you know, it's it's just you know it's just the realization that, you know, when you can bring talent, skills, and 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 education, you bring that all together, it gives you an opportunity to have a career. That doesn't guarantee a career. That just gives you an opportunity. The rest is going to have to be, you know, you and, and some prayer and getting out there and making it happen. That's right, man. And I love that proactive approach. If you don't mind, let me ask you about that. In, in Back in the early days, you said you had some people who were referring you for sessions. How do you handle work like that? so that it's in done in the most professional way. Somebody refers you for a session or you're seeking work, you're trying to get gigs. What were some of the things that you did, especially back then, to make sure that you, you know, you represented everybody properly? Well, I had a lot of great teachers and mentors, you know. 
I started, my education started very young. Uh, my father played piano and vibes, and he would sit me on his lap at age four and stuff, and I'd start playing. And they had me, they brought me over to, I was, I was raised in the Grant Projects, uh, right down the block from Columbia University. And at that time, uh, the Juilliard had a school on the campus of Columbia, Columbia, where right now where Manhattan School of Music is. And, and so they brought me over to that building and had me tested. And I, I got a scholarship to start my studies, the, the Vladimir Horowitz uh, scholarship to start my music studies. And from that day, it's been music study, music study. I went to every music school in New York, every music program. My mother made sure, and not only during the school year, but in the summertime, she had me study, study, study. I had a lot of great teachers and they instilled in me you know, you know, the, the kind of uh, professional attitude that it would take. They would always bring me to the jobs with them, sit me on the side. You know, they were all working professionals. Uh, you know, one of my teachers, Warren Smith, he's a, he was legendary and a percussionist. And uh, he did, he used to do Broadway, all kinds of stuff, recordings. And he would take me with him everywhere. My uncle Merle Saunders, you know, he was uh, a, a great organist. And he was living in New York and he lived with us and he would take me everywhere and uh, have me sit in with the, with him at clubs and stuff in the ah. very early as a teenager. So I got it. I, I, I knew what it was like to be a professional before I really got, you know, my first really get my first professional gigs. And so I would say that, you know, in speaking to young people that, you know what, it's, it's great to because it also gave me a target. You know, it's it's hard to to go after something unless you have a target, and the target is either having somebody that you want to pattern yourself after, and somebody that you can help, and people that can help. You know, give you information. It's all about information. That's mm -hmm. what education is. It's information, and it's how you retain it. And because uh, if somebody teaches you something, and you don't retain it, then it's kind of useless, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Learn that. What's it all about? Yeah. So it's about re retaining that. And it's also about, you know, how you apply yourself with, with, you know, with the information that's given. So I was given a lot and I was ready, man. I, I man, I love the fact that you were experienced, thoroughly experienced in the academic aspect of music. Okay, through all your your school and college studies, but also, you know, quote unquote, the real world where, where you go into gigs and stuff. I mean, you, that is truly the best of both worlds. Um, today, perhaps it might not be as readily available, especially post pandemic as we're starting to come back or, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, how do you recommend, you know, what are some of the concepts that you would tell again, aspiring pros to be diversified, you know, to make sure that they're, they, they have that versatility, but yet they're not too far off in the classical world where everything is so strict and regimented that they don't have the freedom to experiment with improvisation or some, you know, R&B and pop and things, you know what I mean? Because you beautifully brought all of those genres together. You know, I mean, that's a masterful tact in and of itself. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant quality meals for myself. 
Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's Factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that uh, when, I, when I first started my studies, I, and it was with you know classical music, uh, my teacher would smack my hands if she heard me play like a jazz chord because right. my dad played jazz piano. So I would, you know, I would, before she come to the room, I'd play a little bit. And then, and she, one day she busted the room and heard me play something. She's like, no, I, I had an Eastern European teacher. Her name was Miss, Mrs. Prado. And I'm sure that was short for something longer. But anyway, she was from Eastern Europe. And, the, and uh, she was, no, 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 you never, never play that fat. You never play that again. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And anyway, I, it, 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 it certainly gave me an idea that some people view music with walls and I don't. Mm-hmm. All right. So my, my education included classical jazz, this, those are genres that you speak of because other people have walls and categories. Right. I don't see it like that. Music is just an experience for me. Anything that I can feel and internalize, I'm gonna find out how to play it. And, well first of all enjoy it and then I'm gonna play it because I love to play it. So it could be country, it could be classical. It could be anything, you know, you know, go to the Middle East, you know, I'll pick up a, I'll figure out an instrument and pick it up and play it. I'll figure it out just because I love to do it. And, uh, and so the, the, it starts with the enjoyment of music first and then the application. I love it. I love it. Now, you mentioned the uh, Vladimir Horowitz uh, scholarship, and I know you're a conductor as well. So, again, that's, uh, uh, you know, mad respect, bro, because I love how you're doing it all, literally. <laughs> it's so diversified. Uh, I know that you uh, you have been to the Hollywood Bowl. You've conducted there. Uh, and the Nobel Peace Prize broadcast in Norway. Talk a little bit of that, because, again, now you're not necessarily behind the piano. You're conducting a full-blown orchestra. That's a whole nother, you know, situation. Wow. That, that, I'm, wow. You brought that up. <laughs> wow, I haven't thought about that. That was a crazy gig. First of all, I was working with Rihanna yeah. and Rihanna was, you know, she was doing, you know, some spot tour things. We do a couple of weeks in Europe. We go here and there. And, uh, and she was a pleasure to work with. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take this moment to say, I really love you, Rihanna. And the way, you know, the way you carry yourself and everything. Now, we, we, the call was that she was going to perform at the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, it's a broadcast and a whole event. It's a whole, I think, uh, you know, days, several days of the whole, uh, the whole thing. And right. so they, uh, the, for the broadcast, they had, uh, they, they asked us to come and perform two songs. 
with Rihanna. One would be, and they had two separate stages. And um, and so one was, uh, you know, an up-tempo tune that she had dances with. And the other one was her ballad that she did that was that had that they asked me to uh, orchestrate for orchestra. They had a they had a eighty something piece orchestra that that was that was part of the whole event. And so when they when they they asked me to do that, I was fine. I took her ballad and I exploded it out and you know and orchestrated. It. And they said, "Well, you can conduct it as well." I was like, "Great!" And so uh, I was prepared to do that. We fly in, and, and when we flew in, you know, you get, you know, you get so uh, disoriented because you 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 get in at that in Norway mm. at that time of the year. I think it was dark for many hours, and so I think I, I got in, you know, I, it, and it was a, it was a long trip, and and when, whenever I left, anyway, I just remember it was just dark at a time when I, it should have been light, and I said, wow. And then I was tired. So I remember going to sleep and then the phone rings and they said, hey, listen, uh, the rehearsal is 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 going to be in a few hours. It's actually the, the rehearsal's tomorrow, right? Okay, so tomorrow. I want you to kind of follow the timeline. Yeah. So I get a call. It, I, I can't even tell whether it's day or night. I just, I was tired. I picked it up and said, we got a rehearsal tomorrow. Here's the situation. We have Rihanna on stage one performing her up-tempo song with dancers and stuff. And then we need to, she's got to transition from stage one to stage two, which is all the way on the other side of the arena. It's going to take her several minutes to get over there, but this is a live TV broadcast. Wow. So Ray, can you give us some, uh, you know, music that you can have with the orchestra to kind of, you know, to fill in the gap? I said, sure. So, <laughs> yeah, sure can. The answer so, is always yes, one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so for that, I woke right up, got my, you know, uh, and I was using, and thank God I was using Sibelius. That helped a lot. So uh, it just worked. That, by the way, you know, Sibelius is, it helps, but it doesn't replace anything. You have to have orchestrating skills to do it. Anyway, so I'm working. I started working on that, and I composed uh, a three-part suite right away, wow. and uh, got to conduct it. And so, after she finishes one song, you know, one song, then I then I run over and, and run across the stage, and I conduct this three-part suite while she's riding in the back to get to the other stage. And it was a great, it was a great moment. I enjoyed it, but that was that was kind of a crazy thing, you know. And I was like, I had to do that. Overnight, you know, so well, that that's incredible. But we got to park there for a minute because I want to unpack that for some folks. I want to draw an, an analogy. OK, so what you did there, first of all, I love the fact the answer is always yes. Right. No matter how exhausted we are, no matter how overextended, whatever. People don't care about our little personal situations. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. We'll get the job done, whatever it takes, because that's how you keep getting the calls back, right? It's just part of what we do. We love to serve, right? But And I like to eat. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. But here's the thing. you So you're groggy, like you said, tra traveling overseas is always, that's rough anyway. You get the call, hey, we need this piece of music. So you acted like three, you did three parts. You composed the music, you arranged the music, 
and then you performed and conducted the music. Okay, so the analogy I would like for people to understand is that's like being the person who designs the car, the person who builds the car, and then the race car driver who drives the car. <laughs> you, right. you automatically assume all three roles, you do it seamlessly. I mean, that's amazing. That's that's an incredible feat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, 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 that you brought that up. I hadn't thought about it uh, in years, but it was, that, that was a, it was, it was really, it called on every skill that I have. Exactly. To make, to make it happen. Yes. Uh, like you said, you have to, not only do you have to, because the first part of it, I was, I was still playing, I was playing keyboard and I was her band leader, you know, right. music director for her for a while. And then after running over and conduct the orchestra and, Man. you know, deal with all that. And, and you know, so it was, uh, it, it, it was really great. And I was, you know, glad to be able to employ the wonderful skills and gifts that God's given me. I love that. Now let's take the, let's transition a little bit. So from that type of music creation work and more studio and television music creation work, uh, I understand that you built like custom made music trailers that you use for various shows. And obviously you do a ton of TV work. So how, you know, how have you developed? It sounds like you developed like your own little trailerized system for all of the TV bumpers and things like that. Well, there's two things. Uh, uh, for the, uh, the past year when the whole COVID-19 thing hit, uh, that whole period, there was a, there was a need to find a way to, to address doing music and doing your stuff in the production in a safe way. Uh, I, I was right in, when it hit, I was right, we were right in the middle of a production of a show that I'm working on called I Can See Your Voice. And it's a brand new show on Fox. It's a brand new hit show. Love well. that show. Man, I was <laughs> just telling Teresa, my family and I, we watch it religiously. We love it. That and Dancing with the Stars. So, I mean. Well, we, we, just, we just went into production for our first season. And the whole thing, you know, when it hit, we had to shut down. Right. Now, that, the shutdown was, it was, was always had to be temporary until we could figure out how to get back on. Uh, when we figured out how to get back on, um, we, you know, it, it was incumbent upon us to do it in a safe way. Well, normally in a TV production, you have everybody, you can have about 100 plus people, technicians, electricians, blah, 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 audio people, hair and makeup. Everybody's kind of interacting, running past each other in the hallway and, in, and inside the main, you know, studio room. But during the COVID thing, you can't have that. So they pull everybody out and quarant have quarantined areas where only certain people can go. And, you know, and, it was, and it made it very cumbersome to, to try to do your job like that. What I developed was uh, a, my own music production trailer that I could bring from studio to studio that has all my tools in it. And I can uh, record, mix, you know, you know and, and finish the music as needed. And plug it right into any system, uh, and so amazing. Yeah, that's why I developed that. Wow. Okay. Okay. That, 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 now I really understand the concept of what you did. That's beautiful. That's amazing. So you can literally just pull up to any production, plug into their out, you know, their output, their main line out, and you're good to go. Right. Right. And you're called, yeah, their program feed and some of the other lines of communications. 
the comms, they call it. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, I, I could plug right into any any production and and be able to be completely interfaced as needed. So I that's love- the thing. And I used it uh, on I Can See Your Voice and I also used it on the, the past season of Dancing with the Stars. Right. Uh, usually, and again, Dancing with the Stars, usually we have a live band that's right there in the ballroom. This season, we couldn't be in the ballroom. We had to be in a remote setting and we had to, you know, produce the music differently. And that's when I used my uh, trailer system as well. That's so cool. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you again, when, when I started uh, watching, I can see your voice. I'm like, man, that has to be a live band because they're killing it. Like you got, you know, you guys are just so on cue, but you can't really tell at first because we never see the band. Unlike Dancing with the Stars, where you guys are up on that stage, you know, behind the dancers. Do you have a preference? Do you, do you prefer being, you know, at a satellite location or do you like being right there, you know, behind the performers? Oh, I like I like being in the studio. I like being right there. It's yeah. when, uh, I'm, uh, we're looking to go into our 13th season of Dancing with the Stars. Wow. And so that was the first this past year was the first time we were not in the ballroom and it felt really strange doing that show because that show it, it's live on the air everything is happening the dance the lights camera action it's so i have to tell you it is very exciting yeah. doing that show you know when you know doing live tv like that man it that gets you flowing because you know, first of all there's no such thing as uh oops but <laughs> 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 you better find a way to if if you hit a if you hit a funny note on the guitar, you better pull that string and make it sound right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's either a half step up or a half step down to get to the right exactly. one. Right? You got to find it. <laughs> it's somewhere, <laughs> somewhere there. So okay, that's so cool. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you about a day in the life, uh, especially for musicians who might not be familiar what it's like to produce and perform at such high levels. Uh, I know I've had some some limited experience in TV and live productions. Uh, like I said, you and I have met on the road. I was working with Babyface. You were working with a whole slew of other artists. So I, I, from my own perspective, I know what it's like that, that, like you said, that energy, the hustle and bustle, a lot of it is hurry up and wait. But when you're in production, what does a daily day look like for you? What's your daily schedule on a production day? Good. Uh, 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 so uh, I'll be give you a Monday. So Monday is our broadcast day. The other days are prep days, and and you know we can kind of rehearse according to a schedule, and and we're preparing. Uh, the production days are uh, the full production days means that it's not only the you, but there's also cameras and everybody else. When it's that kind of you know that that amps the level. Everything is down to the second. Even the rehearsals, we can't go over. You know, can, oh, can we? Can I do that again? There's none of that. You, 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 you better be right at rehearsal as well. So the day in the life of uh, Dance with the Stars starts at five thirty in the morning. We, we're on set. We start. We're starting at five thirty. Not arriving. Not putting your horns together. We're starting music at five thirty. So, you know, I, 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 I require my, my band members to get in uh, at a specific time before that. Uh, I said, you can come anytime before, but not after. Okay. That's right. That's right. Come, come as early as you want. Don't come after. All right. Uh, and so 
that it starts there and we would we would do a rehearsal from five rehearsal we rehearse 10 pieces of music for the you know that that, that they're dance doing dance routines to and uh during that time we're also uh integrating all those parts in with the audio team so they know what's coming at them we rehearse that and they're aware of what's coming out but now they get to hear it in full with everything uh at 8 30 so that's five, five to eight. We take a little break, like 15 minute break, 8.30, hit them the dancers. And one by one, we have to go through all the routines. But by the time we finish working with them, it's about almost noon. And uh, there's a mandatory lunch break. And then we come back at about one and we do a full dress rehearsal uh, with all parts. Everything's going to happen just the way the broadcast does. That goes from about uh, one to about four. After four o'clock, I go into the music truck to check the, the balance. They record the rehearsal. And, and so I'm going to check and make sure everything is sounding, you know, according to plan. And we have to make any kind of adjustments. I get notes from the executive producers. Hey, Ray, we need you to make an adjustment here, there, tweak there, or even a, even a wholesale change, you know. And they have done that, you know, right before broadcast. And then uh, we take a little break. And then now we have to, after being there for 12 hours from five to five, now we got to look fresh and, and crisp and tight. And we're live on the air at five o'clock, uh, uh, Los Angeles time. So, and then, you know, then it's a two hour show and then that's it. <laughs> so you're, 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 you're not leaving the lot until pretty late that evening, you know, you, you have. Yeah. Well, it's 14 hour day. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's so 12 to 12 rehearsals and then two hour show. Hey, this is Ray Chu, and you are listening to The Career Musician with my man Nomad at the control. He knows what he's doing. It's ready, it's hot. Listen up. Follow The Career Musician on Instagram and Facebook. Help us continue to provide you with new and engaging content by getting our ratings up. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business. And I just realized 
I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. And so congratulations. First of all, you said you're going into your 13th season. Correct. Incredible. 15 years at the Apollo, 13 over here. You got a new show that, like you said, is another hit. And then you have so many different projects that you're juggling. And then from what I understand, you also have an upcoming studio project that's debuting this summer. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's called Be the Light. And it's uh, a project that brings uh, communities together. And this was born out of, especially since that same period where there was a lot of social strife and, you know, last year and, yes. and before that. Yes. And there was, a, there was a need that we felt to just do something to address what, you know, we live, we all live in socially political areas. And they say politics is local. Yeah, politics is local as it affects you. And so we were very affected and we wanted to make sure that uh, that uh, our response is that we're bringing people together. So the Be The Light Project brings, uh, it was born out of that, but also out of our relationship with uh, Ozzy Schwartz in the Park Avenue Synagogue. Uh, they're good friends and he's a, he, uh, Kent Ozzy Schwartz is a great tenor and he's sung with us on some of our productions at Carnegie Hall. And that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> our relationship with uh, the great institution of Carnegie Hall. Uh, and, and so during that time, we, we, we really had a great affection for him. And then we decided, hey, let's, let's do something between the Jewish community and the gospel Christian community. Okay. And so that's what the Be The Light Project is. Uh, it's coming together of communities. And I can't wait. We're almost done. It's going to be really soon. Is, I'm sorry, is it an audio production or a video production or both? Or? It's an album project. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then that leads, that's perfect segue to what you and your wife have created with your foundation, the Power to Inspire Foundation, helping young music creatives achieve their dreams. I can't help but notice the synergy between our mission statements here. So first of all, I can't wait to hear all about it. Second of all, Whatever you need from the career musician, please let us know. We'd be happy to help in any way possible. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to sign you up as one of our mentors because uh, uh, you'll be perfect. Yeah. And, this is, and this, is, this is, like you said, this is great synergy between missions. Our mission with the Power to Inspire program is to bridge the gap between those who have had, you know, the music education or, and that could be, in a colloquial sense, or it could be in a formal sense, all right? Uh, but you, you're, now you're seeking to get into the professional ranks. And what do you do and how do you do it? Those have been the biggest questions. When I travel around the country and around the world, and people you know, would, 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 would speak to me, young musicians, about how, do, how? How do I get from where I'm at to where you're at? I'm saying, okay, great. Listen, I'll be happy to help you. And... Uh, and there, yes, there's several steps, and there's one specific one. The, the one specific one is that you have to, again, 
create a, a, a mission and a target of your own. And that's with a dream and a desire. A dream and a desire, you have to break that down into, into you know, into uh, missions. You have to break that into tasks. And you have to break that into something that you could do on an everyday basis. Yeah. But along the way, you need help. Like I got help. I had plenty of help. I've had I've had lots of help from from great mentors, teachers, and people that 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 saw in me some things that perhaps I didn't see in myself. And so that's what our program looks to do. We look to recognize some wonderful talent and try to help motivate and inspire and give them some real tools for mentors like yourself. And so we're we'll going to be calling on you. We, we had some great mentors uh, last year in the summertime. Okay. We're going to be looking to make sure that, that we can uh, bring in some new mentorship this summer. Absolutely, man. I can't wait. I'm super stoked about that. One of the things I love, like you said, you had help. I had help. I believe everybody who's had some measure of success in, in their in their careers or, or life in general has had help along the way. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Like I had, I have to take stock sometimes and realize, oh, wow, I had this teacher. I had that teacher, that friend, that family member and so forth. Uh, so yes, the answer is yes. I want to help in every way possible. I love that. Uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah nobody, nobody gets to the top or to any position without some help. That's All right. right. That's right. And I also I, lo I also love what you said about uh, so you know differentiating between your dreams and your desires, breaking it down into into little mission statements, little smaller goals, but then building an actionable plan. And that's where I think so many people, you know, I don't want to say miss the mark, but they they perhaps don't figure it out because you have to do something on a daily basis, like you said. It's got to be that daily consistent routine, right? That's right. And it's also, you know, again, it's the same aspect, you know, listen, I, I, I embrace God and my spiritualism. Yes. And that Jesus is my savior. And I pray and I prayed over my life, my career and my, and my walk. Yes. But during prayer, that's not enough. Mm. It, this is a, this is a co-production <laughs> and, you know, cause you can pray all you want that, that if you can pray for a ham sandwich, it, it's not dropping out of the sky like that. That's not the way it works. All right. So uh -oh. you have to get out there and you have to put all these components together. So if you want to pray, yes, go ahead and pray. Because what that does, that's going to galvanize your spirit. And that's going to galvanize your spirit and your whole system to point towards your goals. Mm. In the meantime, go ahead and get some training. Go ahead. And if you don't read music, learn how to read music. Right. I, I have to tell you, that I've encountered, I remember being on the road with, uh, with you know, with maniacs, and I've, I've I've had many years on the road and doing that, and running into young musicians, and they, and I seen, you know, they were talking about some of the stuff they might have seen me do, and uh, and they asked about, well, you know, why, you know, some of them would say they don't read music and anything. I said, by the way, what you have is talent, and you have a great talent. Reading and being musically literate is a skill. It is, it's, I'm sorry, it's an acquired skill. It's an acquired skill that you can start now, and in one year, you can be pretty good at it. And in two years, you can be very adept at it. So people, a lot of young musicians get scared off by that because 
they don't have don't have the skill at that moment that they won't be able to employ it as a professional. And I have to say, that's just not true. Anybody that's listening to me, that's not true. All right. Because anybody, if, if I gave you and some of them, you know, whizzes at video games. I don't play not one video game, by the way. <laughs> I I don't play, I've no never played video games, right? right? But I know people who do, and they would sit there for hours and mm-hmm. hours and hours and putting, you know, and, and I would say to them, that's really wonderful. And you're pretty damn good at that. You could be just as good at reading music mm-hmm. if you put some hours into that. All right. So anyway, that's my Matt, little skill on that. No, man, bro, stay on the soapbox. I, I love it. I love it. And I love how you package that. It's a co-production, raw talent and acquired skill. It goes hand in hand. And it's, man, it's a biblical principle, a universal law. You got to put your hand to the plow, right? You can't just wish. That's right. So, man, dude, I love that. Ah. I always knew I liked you, even though we only spoke in little bits here and there. But now that we're really talking, I'm like, man, you're my mentor. That's it. Done deal. <laughs> okay. So listen, you just dropped some serious wisdom on us and, and knowledge and some beautiful stuff. And it, and it goes perfectly. What, what I always ask each guest to wrap things up. How do you define success? This six, and that's that's a wonderful question. That's one of the things that I, I addressed. Success is defined by you reaching a destination that was important enough for you to make that a destination. All right. Success could be uh, two years ago. I had busted my Achilles playing my final game of basketball, by the way, final, never touching the ball again. All right. I busted my Achilles, but, and it, and, and it was, it was impossible. It was impossible for me to walk. All right. I had crutches. I had this. And so success for me during that time was just getting around from point A to point B. That was a successful day. If I could just get through the day, you know, without pain and agony, and 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 try to you know achieve all of the tasks that I'd set up. That so success has to be broken up and not and not to one big dream. But again, this is where I like to the subdivision, subdivide that, make success a daily basis. You know, an acquisition of the tasks that you set for yourself. You can have so give yourself a successful hour, give yourself a successful day. And then, you, and then let that add up into a successful week. You know what I mean? And and and, and it doesn't because you didn't reach them all. Doesn't mean you didn't have a successful week. You know, a successful week can mean maybe I got eight out of ten things. I set uh, I set a, a ten, uh, you know, a goal of ten tasks, and maybe I got eight out of ten. Well, dude, that's that's success. That's eighty yeah. percent. All right. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you don't want to beat yourself up too much, but you want to continue to find ways of motivating and inspiring yourself and getting inspiration from others like me and yourself. Man, that, bro, excellent, excellent. It's so, so perfectly said. And I love how you draw parallels to music all the time, you know, with the co-production and the subdivisions. That's brilliant. I mean, uh, look, you were, not only were you meant to be, um, a music 
cre- creation of music and a music maker, but you were also made to be uh, a teacher, a, a lecturer, a speaker. You know, um, really, this is beautiful information that people listening, I hope you take this to heart, take notes, come back to it, and keep listening because Ray Chu is the man doing it in real life. And you've been doing it for a long time. Uh, one thing I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about real briefly, again, and I'll let you go. Um, I love your lineage about your last name and your father's father, who was Chinese. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about your, your heritage and your culture and, of course, African-American. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful story in and of itself. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. My, my grandfather, or my, fa- my father's father, came from China and emigrated in the early 1900s, to, and he settled in Harlem. Now, by the way, they, had a, they created a law just like, you know, when they are intent on trying to keep people in a place, they'll create a law to, to justify that. So the law they created for Chinese immigrants, because uh, at that time, they, you know, they, they felt that they were whatever they felt. You know, I'm not even going to go into that mindset. Yeah. They created a law that Chinese immigrants could only work and, and have, you know, their, their restaurants, Chinese restaurant or Chinese laundry. So that's why it, you would always see all these Chinese laundries and Chinese restaurants because they would not let them work other other jobs. How about that? How about that? Wow. Yeah. I and no so idea. My, my grandfather, uh, not only did he have a Chinese restaurant, but he had a, you know one that felt like it was a you know during the Harlem Renaissance. So he had a really really lavish, nice place. So he was a real entrepreneur. And and the ladies loved him, and he he found this wonderful, you know, wonderful black lady from uh, from Virginia, and they had my father. So <laughs> they were married for a couple of years, and they they split. Yeah. Uh, so my father didn't really have uh, a, a a a real relationship with his father. So he knew about him. He knew what he was. They saw each other from time to time. So I never really got to know my grandfather. His name was Henry Boy Boy Chu, right? right? And I seen the symbols, how it's spelled. So I'm missing, there's a hole in my heritage that I'm missing. On my mother's side, they're from the South, from North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And their lineage would extend, of course, during the, uh, the African diaspora and the slave trade and all of that. Um, so 
there's a, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to learn more about it. We've been trying to, you know, we've registered, you know, with the 23 and me and the other, yeah. the other ones like that, trying to find out more about it. Cause I have some Chinese cousins and uncles and, mm-hmm. and nieces and nephews that I just don't know about. And I'm very curious. Now, I've also been contacted by a lot of people with the last name of Chu. You know, hey, are we related? And, I, and then unfortunately, I probably have to say probably not because unless, you know, because my, mine is directly with my Chinese grandfather. So it would have to be any of if he had if he was married and had children after that, then, mm-hmm. then possibly we could be related. Anyway, that's the lineage. I love that. And well, that spelling was C-H-U, right? C-H-U, that's correct. Right. And now it's C-H-E-W. It's C-H-U-W only because, you know, the, the jerks in immigration, they, they, when they want to change something, they just <sighs> change. You know, he said, what's your name? Henry, Henry Chu. And, and they just write C-H-U-W instead of <laughs> asking how to spell his name. You know, Crazy. That. So, so look, in, in this time, we all, we need love. And I love the Be a Light Project and the Power to Inspire Foundation. I love the fact that you are a, an African-American man with Chinese descent. In your opinion, or, or just, you know, in your experience, how can we share more love? How can those who aren't African-American support the Black Lives Matter movement? How can, you know, d- different people from different races, how can we all support one another? Any, you know, any any light that you want to shed on that concept? Yeah, I think, I think as, as soon as we realize that, that we have more in common than we have not in common. The other thing is that it's a, it's a shared interest in the in humanity, mm-hmm. when when people see that that man gasping for air, you have to be able to see your uncle's face there as well. If yep. you can't see somebody that mean, uh, see him as a human being, then, then then that's where the problem is. And so we have to see that that we're all on this this wonderful planet, this little blue planet floating around in our solar system. And there's no other place to go. We're all, you know what? And, and my analogy is, if you think we're so different, uh, you know, remember when they, 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 the concept of the war of the worlds, if, if somebody was flying down from another planet and, and intent on attacking us, they're not going to separate the blacks from the whites. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they're coming to get, you know, humans, right? And so we're all humans. And, that, and, that's, and then there we go. There goes, there goes our path. There goes our struggle. And and finally, God didn't create people to be different. Come on, that's not, are you serious? Anybody that thinks that, yeah, you, you just you just got it wrong. You know. Oh, so God said this is this one's gonna be the white one's gonna be superior. To, stop it. Come on. Stop it. So you know, and then some people there. There are some people that you just cannot reason with. All right, and that, and then, and then if they're so intent on seeing the differences, then I'm not speaking to them. I'm speaking to those who can be reasoned with, that want to see humanity in all of us. And I think there are more of those people than there are those I'll put on that hater category. And that's, that's I want to appeal to those people, see the humanity in all of us, black and white. And then, yeah, because, you know, yes, some people go, I want a colorblind society. Well, that's not even necessary. What, I, we, what we need is a more compassionate society that says, I don't care what your color is. 
That's I don't true. care whether you're Jewish, Italian, French, or whatever. You're, you're, you're still my brother in this world. Thank you, and I love you. Amen, brother. All I can say to that is amen, brother. My father's from Cuba. My mom's third generation Italian. So I'm a Cuban Italian. <laughs> Excuse me. My daughter is half African-American. We love it. We're a big culture pot here, you know, like a gumbo. And once again, so well said. The other thing you said, I love, we're on this little blue earth spinning around in the middle of nowhere. Come on, man. I mean, you know, when you really zoom out. That's right. Know, Things exactly. <laughs> we're all earthlings. How about that? That's right. Yeah, let's agree on that. Let's agree yes. that we're all earthlings. You yeah. know, now if you want to talk about what kind of earthling guy, that's up to you. Yeah. But we're all earthlings. That's a fact. All right. Now here's <laughs> the other thing that I discovered when I did the I did the 23andMe and they give you back this report about your DNA. Yeah. The D my DNA was mapped over the entire world. First of all, you know, like again, from my grandfather who's Chinese. And that was broken down into all of these. I'll say, wow, look at that. Wow. And then my my you know, my grandmother, my father's mother, she was from Virginia, but then they had, there was a whole lot of lineage there. And then of course, my grandfather from my mother's side. Yeah. So we were mapped all over the place. I mean, the you know, the numbers were like, you know, we had there was some European 20, 20% this, blah, 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 10% yeah. that. I was like, you know what? And, I, and, and in that sense, and I watched his show called Finding Your Roots by Henry Louis Gates, when every time he breaks down any, anybody, all, their DNA is all over the place, which tells you that, again, there's no, there's no such thing as a pure anything. That's right. We're all interconnected, and we all have the blood of many different species of people or whatever you want to call them. There's the blood of many in our veins. So we're all human beings. I love it. I love it. Ray Chu, such an honor. Okay. I know I said this three times. I promise, Teresa, this is the last time. Uh, can we do a rapid fire question real quick? Do it. Let's go. Just fun stuff. Last movie you saw. Wow. <laughs> yes. yes well, I, I, unfortunately, I, I don't get a chance to see too many movies, but I think, I think it was a, uh, uh, was it Folsom Station? Was that 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 station where they had the tragic event? Oh yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Oh man. Well, Saki. <laughs> nice hidden talents. Ah, uh, hidden talents. Pool and uh, sometimes golf. <laughs> ah, so you're a pool shark. Well, I, I could play pool. I could pick up a pool cue and uh, I, I could take your money. <laughs> nice. Favorite decade of music? Uh, I would say 70s. Love it. Top three touring essentials. So when you go on tour, what are the three things you must have? Keyboard. <laughs> Good underwear and socks. <laughs> Make sure you have some underwear and socks. Couple of changes of clothes. And I always have a little keyboard somewhere I can play and plug my headphones in. There you go. You're ready to rock. Song or band that changed your life? Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yes, sir. Hold on. Earth, Wind, Wind ah. Fire. Look at All that. Right, so. He's got the tattoo on his left shoulder. That's awesome. 
Beautiful. All right. Uh, your friends would say you are. My friends would say that I am many things. There, there, there's no one great shoe, but there's that, the one that shows up is the one that you got. And I'm here. And I'm in, and I'm dedicated. And I'm on point with people, and I'm fair, and I'm honest, and I'm straight up. So they'll say I'm straight up. See, yo, I get the same thing. You know why? Because I'm a New Yorker too. <laughs> there you go. I'm straight to it. I love it. I was going to say your favorite city besides New York, because I know that's my favorite. <laughs> mm, my favorite city. Well, one of my favorite cities is France. I love France. Okay. And now you've collaborated. Paris. 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 Okay. That's yeah, country, city. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, you've collaborated with so many greats, legendary acts and amazing superstars. If you had one dream collaboration that hasn't happened, who would that be? Celine Dion. Beautiful. Oh, ironically, I got to play on one of her albums. Oh, beautiful. Cool. Well, that's well, one of the ones that I have against like all the millions that you have. So, <laughs> all right. And finally, drum roll. Here we go. What would you do if you weren't a career musician? Wow. I had never given that any thought because there's only been one path, but I'd say, I'd say that I'd have to be, wow, I could be a lawyer. Yeah. Oh, I could be yeah. a preacher. One the other. <laughs> I can see both of that, man. That's perfect. Perfect. Once again, Mr. Ray Chu, it is an honor to have you here on the Career Musician Podcast. Myself, I'm so grateful, and I'm sure the listeners will be as well. Thank you for having me. All right. Absolutely. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house. The happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.